It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to After Extra Time, the independent footballing podcast where we still try and sound like we know what we're talking about and we inevitably end up not sounding it. Um, I am your host this week, Jacko. Um, We have an absentee and I think everyone will be slightly happy about the fact that Mr Green is not here. Um, Apparently he's got bigger fish to fry. I don't know what that is. Um, So I shall introduce my fellow co-host, Mr Jack Godfrey. Hello, mate. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, apart from being caught out, caught out in the rain, other than that, I'm good. Nah, it's fine. It's only a bit of water. It's not going to hurt you, is it? No, I should be all right, mate. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, are, you, are we happy that Mr. Green's not here for a week? Yes and no, I think. <laughs> Why no? Does that mean uh, you've got to fill the controversial reins this week, or what? Well, potentially, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. I play the hero and the villain. Okay. So let's let's get going. Um, I'll, my show's been ruined with the fact that Green's not here, so we'll we'll try the best we can. Um, first of all, um, Europa League final on Friday night. Uh, Sevilla ended up beating Inter Milan in what I thought was actually quite a good game. Um, what did you make of the final? Yeah, I caught the second half because I was too busy messing about with Greeny on Friday night, <laughs> helping him uh, set that pitch up and that. Uh, but yeah, we. Um, I expected, a, like you say, an end-to-end game. Um, mm. I hope for that. Like I said on the Facebook Live, that it was that sort of basketball game that it was um, back and forth. And yeah. the first half was. Um, and obviously, we expected goals, and there was. And as me and you have said before, mate, there was um, Severe just have that knack, mm. again, of just grinding out uh, those Euro- Europa League finals and, and winning them. And, yeah. um, you know... Maybe Inter Milan have themselves to blame. You know, Lukaku missed that one-on-one in the second half. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, it was a good game. It was what we expected from both teams. Both teams had a go. And as I said, it's severe doing what they do in the Europa League. Yeah. I mean, I I, I quite enjoyed the first half. I, I thought it was a very good game. Very open, surprisingly. Um, I thought what happened in the second half was going to happen from the off, to be fair. 
Mm. I know I wanted a basketball game, but there's a part of you that just feels it's a final. It's a big final for both teams. It's going to be quite an edgy affair. Um, I don't think Inter Milan created many chances in the second half, uh, apart from the Lukaku one-on-one and the goalmouth scramble at the end that Moses nearly scored. They didn't really have much else for the, in the way of the game it's after the first 45 minutes. It came down to who had the better set pieces, I feel. Mm. Um, I think uh, the majority of the goals that the set pieces were created from, I thought were really good, especially that De Jong header for the second. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. I thought uh, me and uh, another mate that we were watching it with, um, we all sat there and thought that he was going to head it back across goal. Yeah, and I think that's what what did for Handanovic. I think had he sort of expected the the header to go back to go in uh, or to to go for goal rather than back across the six yard box, I think he might have done a bit better. Um, but, you know, his first was a, a, a cracking diving header from four yards out. Handanovic didn't really have a lot to do or didn't have a chance with that. And they were a bit unlucky with the third. Um, you know, there was a slight sort of discrepancy. You know, Vazquez kicked the Inter Milan player, yet they gave him the free kick. Yeah. And then, obviously, it goes in off Lukaku um, for, for the third. Um, do you see that really now as a missed opportunity for Inter? Or, I know you said sort of. Do, do you do you still feel that Sevilla deserved the win of that after Friday? Uh, I think, like you said, mate, the second half was a bit more of a touchy affair rather than as opposed to the first half. I think Sevilla, yeah, probably did deserve to win the game in the second mm. half. Like you say, it was it was sort of hard to call that second half. Like you say, with the set pieces and that, and there wasn't um, a lot of chances for both sides and. I think Inter will probably, you know, they've only got themselves to blame, really. It was a great chance for them to, to win a bit of silverware. Um, mm. They were on a really good run. Um, I just think, I don't think that's the last of it at Milan. I think um, Conte's building a good side there. Um, I think, like you say, they finished a point behind Juventus in the league. Yeah. Um, so, maybe... Um, Next season, they'll be challenging Juventus again. And I think, are they in the Champions League next season? Yes, they will. But yeah, if they finish second uh, by Jan Juve, they, yeah. I believe it would have been automatic qualification for the Champions League. Um, yeah. But so... just quickly, though, going going on Conte, obviously, from what I read today, there's discussions, or he's having discussions with the Inter Milan board about his future at the club. Now, I know we sort of discussed it after Sari got sacked at Juventus. Do you feel that Conte's, if you were Antonio Conte, would you be expecting the boards to say, we've got you for another season? Or are you expecting at the back of your mind that you're going to be let go? I think to let him go would be harsh. I, I think he's done a good job personally. I think yeah. um, he's got that squad playing nice, good attack, like, you know, attacking football. He's got the best out of Lukaku, as we spoke about on the live. Yeah. Um, he sort of needs that style of football that suits him and brings out the best of him. Um, I just think, I know we've touched on it before, but the longevity of managers these days is something that, you know, you don't achieve something instantly and, and they get the sack. And I just think Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, you're not going to, mm. you know, you get the old 
person that comes in and start hit the ground running. But I mean, you know, you see a lot of clubs, you know, there's a lot of like rebuilding projects and stuff like that that need to happen. And, you know, I think, I don't think he's done a bad job at all. I mean, you finished a point off Inter and got to the Europa League final. Yeah. Um, for me, that's, I'd say that's a very successful season. I mean, yeah, unfortunately yeah. you haven't won the final and yet you have, you're really a point behind Juventus. But this things to, to build on there, you know, you, you can go again next season in the league and try and maybe even play Juventus all the way and, and maybe even win the league. I mean, they've got a good squad. Um, like you said, I think that they're not not saying they're going to win the Champions League, but I'm sure they'll be no. able to get out of their group depending on whether who's in the group. But yeah, I, I think it'd be it'd be harsh, mate, if he does get the sack. I think it's there's in my eyes, he's not done an awful lot wrong at all. No, okay. Um, moving on to tonight, it's I know we we discussed it on Friday and we've sort of discussed it over the last week. Obviously, the Champions League final tonight. Will you be paying attention at what's happening in Portugal? Yes, mate. I'll, uh, I've got a couple of mates around and definitely be watching. Um, as I said on the live, I'm expecting kind of like Friday, kind of like a an end-to-end game again. I think uh, yeah. both teams, have, like I said, have got a um, very good set of attacking players and I'm hoping that it won't be that sort of boring cagey affair. Both teams will have a good go at it. Mm. Hey, who are you expecting to win? I can't remember what you said on Friday. Was it Bayern or PSG you went for? Oh, I think I said Bayern. Um, mm. Well, if I didn't say Bayern, I'm going to say Bayern tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think the way they've played over the last, well, in the last couple of games in the the Champions League and the way they they played in the Bundesliga when the restart, they're a force to be reckoned with. You know, I don't think they've lost yeah. in like twenty odd games or something, twenty eight, twenty nine games. Yeah. Um PSG can be frail at the back. Um I think and I just I think the way Bayern are the momentum they've got, I think they'll just be too strong for PSG. But if mm. if they don't win, I think you've you've got to say they've missed a trick really by the way they're playing at the minute to, to not yeah. win the final. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh to be fair, I'm I'm not a massive fan of PSG in the outset. Um uh, so I'm more inclined to want to see Munich win. Yeah, um, you know it's one of those situations where you'd like to see an English team in the se- in the final, but I think the lesser of two evils. I'd definitely go with Bayern. Yeah, especially with the that. way they played as well. Uh, I think it's been it's been frightening how good they've been since the restart. Yeah, completely. Uh, I agree. think if if they carry that on into next season, uh, I think they've got to be feared by everybody. Really. Um, going forward um, we're going to move on to um, Scotland now because we are, we are at a stage of the season where our, our sort of dominant knowledge of football is ended and uh, we're we're needing some sort of holes to fill while our season starts up again um, Rangers and Celtic won yesterday um, Rangers more comfortably so than Celtic but I noticed that um, Gerard is Unlikely to pick Morelos for the foreseeable future due to the transfer interest that's been shown by him. Do you think that's a fair move by Gerard, or do you think they should try and get the best out of Morelos while he's still there? I mean, if it was me, I think I'd try and get the best out of Morelos. Um, I know he's a bit of a loose cannon and a bit of a live wire. I'm a fan, mate. Um, I do like a player that's got a bit of bite about him. Um, he has scored goals. I know it's only the uh, in the Scottish League. <laughs> But he scored goals. Yeah, exactly, mate. You you can't take that away. You know, I know it's probably a, a lesser league than 
say the you know the championship or the Premier League or wherever. But yeah, like you say, you've, you've got to you've got to finish the chances you get. I think I think Lille have signed a striker from um, Copenhagen or somewhere like that. Mm. So I'm not too sure who will come in from Marino now because obviously I know Lille were the ones who were after him. Yeah, um, but they've obviously signed a striker, so it'd be interesting to see if anyone else does, you know, take a, a punt on him. Like I say, he's temperamental with his attitude, and yeah. Um, but I think he'd probably do a good job in the Championship, and then if he scored a few goals there, then maybe the Premier League. I think he could, he could probably even play in the Premier League. Um, but I think you've got to try and get the best out of him while he's still there. I mean, he's shown yeah. he's capable of scoring goals in the, in the Scottish League, so make the most of it if, until he goes. I say. Um, obviously, Celtic just won yesterday. Um, it was a late goal that they scored. Um, do you see them sort of back up and running now after the issues with COVID? And where, where did you stand on that? Because obviously, I know you weren't here for that discussion. Um, obviously, Celtic and Aberdeen had, you know, had to abandon their games while the, the COVID sort of quarantines were in effect. Where, where did you stand on that? Do you think they should have had potentially points docked or were you happy with just the fact that they had their game suspended? Yeah, I think I was kind of in agreement with you guys. I think maybe there should be a hefty fine or, or mm. a punishment or maybe even docking points. I think I think with these sort of things, if you just abandon their games, you're kind of giving leniency for it to potentially happen again. Mm. I think if you put a stamp on it and, and put like a harsh punishment on it, it stops, it sets a precedent for all the other teams in the league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think, especially, you know, if everyone else can follow guidelines in in normal life, I mean, you're a footballer. You, you, a lot of people look up to you, so you need to be following those rules. And if someone mm. like, uh, you know, like people, especially younger people, more so than probably elderly people, you see a footballer, you know, flaunting the rules and, and ignoring them, then people think that's right to do that as well. So yeah. I just think, it's just a bit of common sense, really. You've got to, like I say, put that uh, harsh punishment on it and it will make people think twice about doing it again. Yeah. Um, where do you stand on the inenviable question of Rangers and Celtic? Because I, I know we had a chat about this in the group last week. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had sort of discussed it on the pod as well. Um where where do you think they they would if it was a hypothetical situation? Of course, where do you see them sitting in English in the English tiers if they were to join? I think uh, for me personally, I think they struggle in the Premiership. I really do. I think yeah. um, you know when they're struggling to beat teams in Europe, and you know you've got teams in England. You know, obviously, I know Man City obviously lost and stuff like that. I think. Yeah. And obviously, me and you know all too well the competitive nature of the, the championship. I think, yeah. I mean, it's obviously hard to gauge because it's, it's all hypothetical. But I think they probably, maybe Celtic, maybe pushing the top ten of the championship. Yeah, Rangers maybe top half. Um, I don't think they're good enough for the championship. I really don't. Um, sorry, not the championship, the Premier League. Prem. Yeah, um, but I think. Maybe what maybe Celtic would give it a, a playoff push. Yeah, but do you not see a squad of Celtics is as good as Burnley's? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because it, it, it you know that's the sort of balance I'm looking at at the moment. Because obviously Celtic can't attract the sort of high end players that 
the top six cap. Yeah. But a lot of those players, you know, Van, Van Dyke went on to, to Southampton for a good amount of money and he was a good player. Yeah. And obviously, they've, they've, they've got potential um, winning material in Karamoko Dembele. Um, Oswan Edward has been a good signing for them. Yeah, and Andy, a Andy few Robert, others. Andy have, Robertson, isn't there? Well, Andy Robertson came from, from D- Dundee. D- yeah, you know. So, do do you not see that as a reason why Celtic could potentially get into the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there is evidence for it, mate. I think, um, but I think if they were in the Premier League, I think I'm not saying they'd get relegated, but I think they struggle. I think maybe they'd. I don't know, maybe like 13, mm. 14, 14. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because it's all hypothetical. Yeah. But, yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's an interesting discussion, though. I've, I've always sort of enjoyed that sort of hypothetical situation of it because it's... I, I, as, me as a fan, it's one of those where I see it a bit like the Welsh League. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a standard of teams in Scotland that I think could be moved into England. I think they do reasonably well. Yeah. I just think the rest of, of Scottish football isn't at potentially a stage as good as Celtic Rangers because obviously it's always... Before Rangers had their, their dock and all their issues, they were obviously... It was either them or Celtic winning the league every year. Yeah. Occasionally Aberdeen or Motherwell or, or Hibs may have pushed them for a potential cup or you know, the other Europa League spots, but it was always Rangers and Celtic. And I just feel that it may, it would may, it maybe develop the other Scottish teams better if Rangers and Celtic weren't in it. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think that it's, I think maybe, I mean, people, I always say I'm opposed to like, Scottish and Welsh teams coming into the English league, but then, like you yeah. said, I think it'd probably be the best thing for that league because it gets boring, you know, looking every year with Rangers and Celtic yeah. challenging for it. And like I've, as I've touched on this podcast before, whoever wins the Rangers Celtic both games, they're kind of six pointers. Whoever wins them tends to sort of win the league. Yeah. Um, but like you say, maybe for the development of the rest of the league and the rest of the players in 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 the Scottish league, maybe it would be best for. Rangers and Celtic to, to take a step over team and mm. you know obviously we've got Swansea and Cardiff that are playing the championship so maybe why not Rangers and Celtic you know it begs to answer yeah. that question really mm. um, yeah it's always one for debate I suppose for that um, stepping back into a, a bit of reality for the moment um, obviously Harry Maguire has, has made the headlines over the last sort of few days with his Eccentric behaviour in Greece, I think, is is a polite way I'm going to put it. Um, obviously, he's he's pleaded not guilty, and obviously, we all, everyone waits to hear the verdict. Yeah. If you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what what do you do about Harry Maguire, and what do you do with the captaincy? I think you strip him of the captaincy for now. Yeah. I think. <sighs> I think because, you, obviously, again, it's the sort of thing where you're in the public eye, you can't really... I mean, it's hard because you don't exactly know what's what's happened and mm. that sort of thing, so it's, it's kind of hard to judge. But I think if you're, if you're club captain, you can't really get involved in these sort of matters or these sort of things. No. I think stripping of the captaincy for this season, you know, see how the outcome of that, that court case comes out, whether he's, you know, see what happens with that and then... 
go from there. I mean, if he starts to become sort of like a, I'm not going to say squeaky clean, but if he starts to, you know, show himself again, maybe you know, can relook at that in like a year or two and, and go from there. Like, yeah. at the minute, as things stand, you can't really have him as a club captain. No. What What do you think about the um, England situation? Yeah, I think that's a tough one. I think, you know, because there's, there's obviously, they've got the Nations League fixtures that are due to go in October. Yeah. Obviously, that's only sort of eight weeks away. I mean, do you are you expecting him to be picked as part of that England squad? And if you do, are you sort of would you not or would you not be surprised if the English media sort of attacked Southgate for selecting him? Yeah, I think I think I'd probably pick him for England. Yeah, uh, and I say that loosely. I don't, you know, like I say, you wait and see what the outcome is for the see what happens with that but I think yeah I think the English media would probably have a field day mate they're very quick to jump on these sort of things they're very quick to be negative about these sort of things as well Um, at times probably too much so you know they love these sort of stories and having a scapegoat and you know like a villain and that sort of thing and I think Mm. if he did get picked by Southgate there probably would be a lot of media I I, I say outrage there'd probably be a lot of headlines about it and I think I think sometimes the media, obviously, I know it's their job to create a story and create a headline and that, but I think sometimes they they dive too much and they create too much sort of drama and everything at the end of the day. I think uh, just in terms of, I mean, an example today, I saw, uh, I don't know if you saw it, you know, Chris Hughes that's been on Love Island. No. Uh, he no. Put, uh, <laughs> well, you're asking a Millwall fan if he watches Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> What were you expecting? Oh yeah, I'll get popcorn. Every oh, time no, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting much. But no, he, he's <laughs> in, he, coincidentally he's on holiday in Mykonos as well, and yeah, he's in a villa with um, Judd Trump and a couple of other snooker players, and they had a problem with privacy and and, and uh, journalists just driving into their gated villa, which was private property. Oh wow, okay. Um, so it's the same sort of thing. And Chris was put, put something on Instagram about how you know they just didn't. They just invaded the, invaded the privacy and that sort of thing. And I think sometimes the media take it too far. Yeah, probably. Um, and I think, you know, you've got to remember people are only human, you know, and I think... No, we... no, but from what I'd heard, it was it was Leicester fans that had gone up to Maguire. Really? Yeah, from what I'd heard. Yeah, see... It was I... at a nightclub and it was Leicester fans that had sort of... Provoking him. Provoking him, I think, disagreeing with why he left Leicester to go to Man United. And I think, obviously... From what I've heard, tempers have flared, and he's he's done what he's done. Yes, yeah, I read um, I, I read something about a rival club, so obviously that obviously must have been Leicester, and it's something about his sister getting stabbed by a sharp object. Oh, okay. No, I hadn't. I, hadn't, I mean, yeah, no, I like, hadn't like you say, I mean, this, you don't this is the sort of thing, isn't it? Though you you get you know you get one part of one story, you get one part of another story. Exactly. It? I mean, you you don't know what's true and you don't know what's right. But no. I mean, if if that if that is true, then I think he it said something about he was just defending his sister, which. Yeah, we probably all would do given the situation, but because you're in the public eye, it's yeah. Every little thing comes under scrutiny, unfortunately, because yeah. of the position, this position that he's in. But yeah, I think, like you said, I think the media would would have a field day uh, yeah. if Southgate picked him, and I probably would pick him myself. I think, um, mm. but maybe because it's just like a UEFA Nations League game, and it's probably not got that much. Well, I mean, it's got some sort of importance, but. Maybe you could just leave him out for that time and let things cool down, and then pick him again later on in the year or next time they play. But I, I don't know, mate. Yeah. I think 
it should be it'd be interesting to see what actually happened with that and whether that the truth comes out or whether or not he gets any sort of punishment. Yes. Um, we're going to take a look at, at Charlton now because I don't know if you saw yesterday, um, but fans broke into the valley um, and decided to sort of do a sit-in protest yeah. at Charlton Athletic until the board sort of came in and discussed the issues about Charlton Athletic and the terrible way it's being run. Yeah. Um, do you have... Uh, well, it's one of those... It's not do you have, but are you on the sort of sympathetic side of Charlton fans trying to get something sorted out for their club? Yeah, I really am, mate. I think... Um... It's disgusting the way their club's been treated over the last three, four, five, you know, six years. Mm. Um, Charlton have got, you know, quite a good, quite a rich history. You know, they've been in the Premier League. You know, they got, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's kind of, I mean, it's. I think what we've got to do is we've got, hypothetically we've got to put ourselves in in their fans' shoes. Imagine if that was Millwall or imagine that was yeah, Dark. Yeah. I think we'd do exactly the same thing, mate. I think, yeah. you know, you've got to do, at the end of the day, you've got to save your club at the end of the day. And if, if it takes extreme measures like sitting in and, uh, you know, protesting and whatever else you need to do, then so be it. It's, you know, it's, it's not a club that's just started up. It's a club with, you know, I don't know how long their history is, but they're not exactly a little name in the football world. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> Do you see that? I know we've had a discussion on it before that the EFL should look sort of uh, investigate further the owners that come in, but surely it's got to be a wake up call now that the protocols in place for these tests to see if they they're good enough. Surely there's got to be something there now that the it makes the EFL realise that. It's not working. Yeah, I don't think the, the chart owners are the, are the first persons or the first owners to be sort of dodgy, if you want to call it that. I mean, yeah. you look at the Wigan thing. You look at well, there's many examples. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think it's, it, they seem to be happening sort of every other season. Yeah, I was going to say it seems to be happening quite regularly these days, and i think the way sort of owners look at it now is like it's like a sort of like i know it's like a toy almost yeah and uh, you know you've got to think about people like me and you who obviously support these clubs and mm. you know they're not just like a business obviously it is a business at the end of the day but it's not like a little a toy that you can come and tinker and play with you know like people uh, i mean obviously football is massive but then you've got to think about people Obviously, people like me and you, like I, mate, I. A lot of the time, people go to the football just to escape from the daily grind of you know working Monday to Friday, and it's just it's for ninety minutes you can escape all of that and go and watch football, can't you? Yeah. And, and then you've got someone coming in who's te- you know going to technically destroy that club, and you're going to have to start again, and your club will no longer exist. Which is, I mean, there's got to be something in place that stops this happening because like you say it's happening far too regularly these days and, yeah. and it seems that anyone can anyone with any sort of money can be part of a football club and it, I mean 
like with the Wigan thing, how someone of that calibre got ended up, you know, like betting on a on the club to go down and then to, yeah. you know, just. It, it, I mean, I don't know what more the EFL need to happen for them to change mm. the rules. Yeah, because from what I'd heard, he was planning to put them in administration before he bought the club anyway. Yeah, which <laughs> which just proves the fact that the guy hasn't got a clue and he's trying to make a, a quick buck on it. Yeah, um, I yeah, I mean, I'm. It is frustrating as a football fan to see other clubs go down. You don't want to see it in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you you look at Bolton and the history that they had. You know, Sam Allardyce was keeping them in the Premier League. They were uh, sort of they were one of those teams that you you hated to like. Yeah. Um, because they were always beating Arsenal or Chelsea, or they were always getting scrappy results, and they were always playing a niggly, horrible sort of way. But it worked, and they were always in the Premier League. And then everything just just goes, you know, tits up. And now look at them. They're, you know, they're, they're struggling to even survive the Football League. You know, Bury, Bury are one of the oldest football clubs around. They've been demolished by a very poor owner who, you know, he had a famous sort of blow up with one of his players on TalkSport. Yeah. Um, I think before the start of the season just gone and it just shows the guys not in it for the, the history or the fans or, or anything. It's it's for him to try and make money and if he's not making money on it, he doesn't want to know. Yeah. And and it is depressing yeah. because, you know, you worry that if every every football club had owners like that, we'd have no football, you know, we'd have no semblance of the football we've known for the for however long we've watched it um which yeah it's it obviously there's there's always going to be football and there's always going to be levels but you know you, i can't imagine a premier league without manchester united or liverpool or chelsea or arsenal or a championship without millwall or forest or derby or uh, you know stuff like that yeah yeah okay um so yeah it, it is sad and i i hope that I hope that whatever goes on at Charlton gets sorted and they get the right owners in there because I think, I, I you know, Mill, Millwall and Charlton have a nice, have a, a nice history, you know, for for being a London derby. There's, you know, there's a really good um, charity that was set up um, through an unfortunate death of, of a Charlton fan um, mm-hmm. to deal with knife crime in London, and it's always, it's always a really good day. There's there's always really good atmosphere. Charlton fans hate Millwall because we always get a result against them. Um, but that, but that, but that being aside, it's it's you know it's a nice derby to have because London, not all London derbies are nice. Um, so whatever does happen, I, I, I do hope that they they get it sorted and they can have some glory years back there. Um, maybe sort of not just trying to survive in the championship, but staying in the championship and hopefully Premier League. Um, I want to touch quickly on League One or League uh, um <laughs> for the, the French fans among us, purely for the fact that obviously, again, we're, we're still waiting for the English League season to kick off again. We want to talk about football. Um, I know it's unlikely, but can you see anyone stopping PSG or is it just a monumental rock falling and it's always going to be PSG until something changes? 
yeah, I think it's highly unlikely that someone will challenge uh, PSG. I think yeah. you've you've only got to look at the money they're spending on players. Neymar mm. being a prime example of that. Um, that teams like Leon, Monaco, Lille, um, Nice, you know, I could go on and on. Um, cannot compete with the likes of that because PSG mm. have so much um, firepower and, and money that uh, I, I just can't see that anyone sort of. You know, PSG drop points, but then they probably lose like two, three games a season. Yeah. Um, whereas teams like Lyon, Monaco, Marseille, etc., don't have that strength and depth. You know, I mean, PSG can play a weaker side in the league and then play their full strength side in the Champions League and still yeah. win the league. Yeah. Um, but I'd highly doubt anyone's gonna challenge PSG. I mean, it, they might in the first ten to fifteen games, but then I think, like I say, PSG strength and depth kind of comes in and they kind of just run away with it and before you know it they'll be champions become like February March time um, just quickly so we're going we're to jump into transfer news via League Up okay because um, it got announced today that uh, Gabriel Margalis um, Mar- Mar- yep. the centre-back for Lille has gone to Arsenal for 27 million obviously Lille finished fourth in, in Liga last season Um do you think that's the sort of signing that Arsenal were looking for to sort of strengthen their uh, their, 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 their centre-backs? Or were you sort of expecting a more experienced uh, centre-half signing? Um, I was talking to my mate about this earlier um, because I don't know too much about him, yeah. um, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think... you know, he's, a, he's a 22-year-old Brazilian centre-half. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if he does turn out to be a, 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 a special talent, but if he can hold his own in the Premier League, you've yeah. got a, a centre-back potentially there for the majority of his career. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and something to build on. Is that is that? Can you see that's where Arsenal are going to go with some of their transfer signings this summer? Yeah, I think... Arteta's hands are sort of tied as to the fact that he doesn't have 100, 200 million to spend. Um, so he's not going to go out there and uh, and spend a, a vast amount of money like maybe, say, Pep will, because um, mm. he doesn't have that financial firepower. Um, but I mean, maybe, you know, taking chances on these sort of players and, you know, like he's a young player. Um, you know, you've got David Luiz, who's Brazilian. Um, I'm trying to think who else is Brazilian in that Arsenal squad, but you've got that sort of thing to maybe help them settle in and kind of explain how Arsenal are playing and bed him in. But yeah, I think Arteta's going to have to find different ways to improve that squad without spending lots of money, whether that be, Mm. you know, signing players such as the signing they've made or maybe even trying to find a loan market or maybe, I mean, you've got obviously, we might touch on it in a minute, but you've got Chelsea trying to sign Thiago Silva on a free, you know, that yes. thing, you know. There's ways and means around it without having to spend, you know, millions and millions of pounds. So, I mean, we could be sat here in six months' time saying how much of an unbelievable signing that was and he's going to, you know, he, he might be like the next Thiago Silva. You just don't know because he, he's a bit of an unknown quantity. So, it's either money well yeah. spent uh, and they've got a bit of a bargain in the modern market or... You might be a flop. I mean, it's hard to comment now, but I think, you know, as I've said, they've, they've got to find new ways of trying to 
improve that squad without mm. you know, breaking the piggy bank. Yeah, um, I, 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 I personally, I think it's an interesting signing. Um, I think there is potential there. Whether or not, the, the question is going to be, it's it's a hefty price tag for a young centre half. Mm. It's going to be a question of whether or not he can sort of hit the ground running. Um, when it comes to it, and whether or not he he suits Arsenal's style of play, or this was something in the pipeline before Arteta had even got there. Um, but again, it's one of those where where you, as you say, sort of time will tell. Um, Aaron Ramsdale is another one I want to discuss. Started off with Sheffield United, gone to Bournemouth through whatever avenues, has now gone back to Sheffield United. Is that the sort of goalkeeping gap they were hoping to fill after Dean Henderson left, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he, I thought he was quite good at Bournemouth, really. Um, yeah. I was fairly impressed with him. I think um, it's the sort of player Sheffield United should be looking at. He's English. Um, he's not, you know, they've not broke the bank yet. They've had to mm. spend a little bit. Um, he's fairly, he's young. Um, and yeah, I I think that will be a good signing for um, Sheffield United. Yeah, I think they've done fairly well there. They've, like I said, they've not broke the bank. He's he's English. He's young, and that's the sort of level I'd say Sheffield United are at. They're not going to go out there and buy you know Manuel Neuer or someone like that. You know they don't have the the money to do that. But I yeah, think, yeah I think um, it's it's a very good sign. Yeah, I think. Um, David Marshall has gone from Wigan to Derby. <laughs> now, I, I take it this is this this is the goalkeeper, David Marshall, isn't it? This is the goalkeeper, David Marshall, yeah. yeah. So, why, why have they gone and got him, yet they've sent Scott Carson out on loan to Manchester City? Um, I think... <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I've said to you before, but I think Carson is going to be a coach. Okay. Um... Whether it be at Man City or Derby, I don't know. Um, and I think there's something. I don't know if there's something in in it as well that they have to have so many English players or something. I don't know. I might be wrong. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. Um, we knew Carson was going back to Man City um, yeah. before this, this season started. The new season coming up. Yeah. Um, it's a position that I, I said Derby needed to fill. Um, it's not a bad. It's not a bad position to fill with David Marshall, though, is it? No, no. I, I think it's a it's a fairly clever signing from Derby. He his contract was expiring at Wigan, yeah. Um, so I think it was on a free, or if it wasn't on a free, um, I think it was also quite clever from both sides because I think Wigan needed to off him off the books because he was on quite a wage for them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Derby obviously more than capable of, of, of paying his wage. Um, yeah. His experience, Derby needs someone like that. They need someone who's got experience. They need someone that can, you know, hold their own in the championship. He's very experienced in that division. He said that he needed... Uh, I watched an interview with him, um, might have been yesterday, I think, when he... Um, or day before, I don't know. He was saying that he needed to, needed to go to a club where he was going to play regularly yeah. in, order to, in order to play for Scotland again. Yeah, OK. Um, so I think it worked for both clubs and Derby needed a keeper. Um, can, can you see him being the first choice goalkeeper this season at Derby? Is yeah. that what Koku's plan is or is it yeah. he's going to be chopping and changing? No, I think he'll 
I think he'll be the first choice goalie. Um, yeah. um, one of our young lads has gone on loan to Northampton, so he won't be in goal for Derby. Um, Rouge, that was in goal on and off this season, just gone. He's inconsistent um, and he's. I'm not a massive fan of him. Yeah. Um, he wasn't too confident. Um, obviously, we had Hamer on loan, who was, again, inconsistent. It just needs yeah. someone that's, like I say, experienced, confident, and someone that can um, hopefully just fill that role for this season. Yeah. Uh, and just, I mean, we we needed we needed one. We our keeper choices were very limited, um, yeah. so it needed to be filled, and it needs to be filled quickly. Um. The last one that I, I want to make a note of is again another Wigan player, but um, Anthony Robinson has has gone from Wigan to Fulham. Do you think that's a clever bit of business for Fulham? Because obviously Robinson was, with all intents and purposes, going to AC Milan um, last year, and then a knee issue with his medical arose, and he, he ended up not going. So, do you think that's a a good bit of business for Fulham? Yeah, I think it's a shrewd bit of business from Fulham. Um... I think Wigan have had to be clever in terms of the fact they've been relegated. So again, they need to kind of offer a lot of their players. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're struggling with money and stuff like that as well. So um, whether or not he's a Premier League player, we'll find out. But I mean, if he's going to AC Milan, then you should he should probably be up to the standard of sort of Premier League or around that level if he's going to go and play in Serie A. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's a good bit of business from Fulham. Yeah, just just quickly while I'm Wigan, because obviously there's there's a few players that Wigan have had to offload for for the obvious reason that they're in administration. Yeah, with the players that are going, can you see them slipping further down the league, or do you think that they they they'll be able to sort of stay in League One next season? Um, I hope they stay in League One. Yeah. Um. Obviously, so it was it was harsh in that with them getting relegated, but um, it's the way it is. Unfortunately, you know, with the EFL not sort of you know doing anything with these rules and and the way they got treated with their owners and that. Um, mm. I'd like them to stay up. I think depending on how many more of their players go, will kind of dictate as to where they finish in the league. Um, if they can hit the ground running the start of the season I think they should be alright but if they lose sort of their first like five games then you might worry that they might slip further and further down the league table yeah but I mean do you think they'll get relegated from League One um, I it's a tough one I, I I think there's some teams I think Northampton are going to struggle this season they've just lost probably one of their best centre-backs in a long while Charlie Goon he's gone to Brentford I think that's a a superb signing for Brentford. Um, I think a couple of the other League Two clubs may struggle to stay stay up this season. I, I can, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we can sort of finish just outside the bottom four or maybe sort of mid table in League One. Um, I, I, I think there is more to come out of Wigan player sales wise. There's a lot of expensive players on the books. Whether or not they're going to be able to keep them there for the season. Or the administrators are going to say they're going to have to go. Um, you, you don't know. I, it's just it's one of those again going back to the the ownership of the club. I just think with the history that they've got, it's just such a terrible terrible thing to see in the world of football. Um, well, not in the world of football, but in English football. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do hope they stay up. 
Um, I, I'm just worried that if they lose any more of their sort of key or bigger players, that I think they're going to struggle. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but I am because I want to sort of try and eke out a bit more of this podcast. Yep. Because it's the Champions League tonight, there was a bit of a quiz question for you and Greeny. But I, I, I think you're going to have quite a good time at this. <laughs> there have been 22 Champions League winners. Okay. PSG could be the 23rd winner. Yep. I'm going to give you five minutes. Yep. When I say now to name me the 22 teams that have won the Champions League. Okay. Now, I can't see if you're going to now shoot onto Wikipedia or Google or whatever. So I, I have to hope you're going to be a relatively sensible person and not cheat. Well, it's a good job Greeny's not here because he's kind well, of the person yeah, to do I'm that. Gonna, if, if Greeny was going to do it, um, I, I think we would have this issue. It's a good job I'm not asking you to name the Europa League winners because I think you'd have a tougher time with that. Yeah, I think I've got more okay. Champions League. So, when I say go, you've got five minutes to name your Champions League winners. Yeah. Go. So, Manchester United. Yep. Uh, Chelsea. Yep. Uh, Juventus. Yep. Uh, AC Milan. Yep. Uh, Inter Milan. Yep. Um, Barcelona. Yes. Real Madrid. Yes. Uh, right. Bayern Munich. Yep. Borussia Dortmund. Yes. Um, we're off to a flying start. We are. But you're naming all the obvious ones. <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah. Let's get them out of the way first. Um <laughs> Leon? No. PSV? Yes. Very good. Well done. Ajax? Yes. Yeah. Um, 11 down. I'm just writing them down just so I don't forget who I've... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely didn't want to Google anything at all. I think I want to <laughs> make sure I'm, you know, doing it out of my own right. It's always a better achievement if you get them all as well without it's, having to Google. Exactly. It's much more satisfying. So, is that 11? Is that right? One, two, One, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yes, you're halfway there. Halfway there. God, it gets a bit harder now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal? No. No. Chelsea fans have had, would be pissing themselves at this point. Yeah, they probably would. I couldn't remember if they had or not. No. Um, Wolfsburg? Nope. Uh, God, I'm trying. To, I'm struggling a bit now. <laughs> <laughs> Roma? Nope. No. Uh, we asked. You got. You're coming up to three minutes left. Oh God. Uh, I'm trying to think if I missed any ones in the in the Premier League. You, you have. Newcastle? You've missed, you've, you've missed a few. No. Blackburn? Nope. Leeds? Nope. God, I'm struggling, eh? You are now. I really am. Um, <laughs> Nottingham Forest? Yes, well done. I say out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> free, free gritted teeth. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that wasn't the first one they came across. Oh, yeah. Aston Villa? Yes, well done. Um... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Come on. 
don't think there's any more Spanish teams as well. Sevilla? No. Hold on, let me check. No. No. I'm trying to think who's got like a big sort of history and like, you know. I bet there's people shouting when they hear this. Yeah, book. okay. Like, I, this is the what. This is what I like. It. You've got. You've just got um, one minute and fifty seconds left. Oh, I think I might come up short on a few. It's one of them ones where you tell me the rest of them, and I stop kicking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you don't get them because some you're going to kick yourself up. Oh no, no, no! Who played in the Champions League this season? Have a think. Have a think. Have a think. Lazio. No. Uh, We are really struggling now. Mm. Oh. For someone who plucked David Seaman out of the air, you're not doing very well with this. I know, I know. Like I say, I'm going to end up kicking myself for some of them. Yeah. I really am. Um... Oh. I might start humming the countdown theme with about 30 seconds. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> well, you've got a minute left. Come on, think. <laughs> think. Think, think, think. Rangers? Nope. Celtic? No. Yes. Yep. Yeah, Celtic won it. Uh, that's 14. Eight more to go. Come on, I'm going to kick myself. <laughs> Villarreal? Nope. Valencia? No. Uh... They've won the Europa League, Champions League. Or Europa League slash UEFA Cup. Oh, oh, he's down. He's down to uh, twenty-five yeah, seconds. We're, we're struggling yeah. though. Uh, who else plays in that league? I can't think. My mind's gone blank. There's there are, there's a couple that are really tough, and if you were to get them, I'd be very very surprised. It's not someone stupid like Dynamo Bucharest or something, is it? You're not far off. Oh, Club Bruges or someone I don't know. No. Anderlecht. Uh, time. Oh. Is the answer. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen out of a possible twenty-two. I've written them down in order that they want it. Yeah. So we've got. I'll go through the full list of twenty-two. So Real Madrid were the first winners of it. Yeah. Then we had Benfica. Oh wow! As if. And then we had the Milan clubs. Yeah. Then Celtic. Then we had Feyenoord, which was the only Dutch side that you did not name. See, I looked when at... you went Ajax and PSV. <sighs> I was sitting there going, "And the next one, come yeah, on!" Yeah, I looked at PSV <laughs> and I thought, "Who else is good in that league?" And I just couldn't think. Yeah. <sighs> um, you're going to kick yourself in a in a couple of seconds. Ajax, then and Bayern Munich are the next in the order. Then the Scousers. Oh wow. <laughs> You didn't say Liverpool. They won it last year. They won last year's tournament. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I do not get Liverpool. And then you got Forest and Villa, which I was really impressed at. Hamburg. Yeah, probably would have got that, I don't think. No, I don't think you would have. Then Juventus. And you almost had them, but you went Dinamo Bucharest instead of Stau Bucharest. And then Porto. Portuguese clubs. We got Porto, PSV, 
And the other really, really difficult one that I'm not, I don't think you would have got, Red Star Belgrade won it back in the 90s when they were part of the former Yugoslav. Uh, yeah, Yugoslavia I might have done if I'd have been carried on the stab aggressive, but I just kind of... No. And then we got Barcelona, then Marseille. Marseille but Marseille, I don't think. League. And then Dortmund and Chelsea. It's a shame. There you go. So 14 out of 22, yeah. that's not bad. I mean, I, to be fair... I would never have, even before I looked this up, I would never have thought of Fyfield, yeah. never have no, thought of Hamburg, not. never thought of South Bucharest or Red Star Belgrade. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I'm quite loving it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed about my Liverpool. Sure. I'm not sure why I didn't think of Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have instantly <laughs> thought of the uh, Istanbul as well. Yeah, what we might have to do is get Greedy to um, listen to the pod and see how many he gets without looking. But then I think if he comes back yeah, saying all 20 he's been cheating. Uh, I'm fairly confident. He's been I think you're just I'm fairly confident. The pod. Yeah, I'm fairly confident, confident Greedy won't get as many as me. But I wish I got <laughs> Liverpool now. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now for my, my main bit. I'm yeah. really excited about this. I set as a challenge, dear listeners, um, on our Facebook farce, that we were to have responses for uh, teams uh, or best teams of the teams that they support. If that sentence makes any form of sense in common English. So basically what I'd ask for is a best 11 for each of the teams that they supported. And I've had, thanks to to Mr. Godfrey's uh, plugging abilities, um, we've had some actually really good responses and it's been really good fun and I've really enjoyed it. So, what I'm going to do, I'll ask for yours first, Jack. And I just want just a, a yeah. few of the players that have sort of, of, you know, why they've been in your team and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'll do my team. And then we'll go through what the um, the, the listeners have emailed in with. Yeah, that's I think fine, mate, really yeah. good. So go on then, kick off with your Derby 11. So Who have you I'm got? playing a 4 5 1 formation, which is slightly different, oh, okay. but I um, wanted five across the. Yeah, well, I'm to the normal four four two. Yeah, you normally well, you see, I, I had four four two, but then I forgot a midfielder, and I thought I can't not play ah, okay. purely because of who he is. Um, no. I'll let you know who that is in yeah. a minute. Um, I was struggling with goalie, so I, I thought back to Derby's a couple of these. I've got a couple of seventies players in this team purely because yeah. from um, stories told by my granddad and dad about Derby actually yeah. being fairly decent. In the seventies, <laughs> no, they one, don't know. Um, I wish I did. <laughs> um, but yeah. the goalie, I was going to have Peter Shilton, but I didn't. In the end, I went for Mark Poom. Mark Poom. Oh, was it Finnish or Estonian? I think he was, was Estonian. Estonian yeah, Mark Poom. I think he played in yeah, the nineties yeah. or early two thousands. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I, remember I can Mark remember Poom. the shirt yeah, in my yeah. head um, when I was fairly young. I'd probably wouldn't have been that old maybe like five or six or seven um yeah strange one right back i've gone john brayford i don't know if you remember him or know of him yeah he used yeah, to play he, for United, for, he? he did play for burton i'm not sure if he still does anymore um but i just I remember yeah. when i was a season ticket holder at derby with my dad um we were just massive fans of john brayford um so he gets a job and there's mm. not many right backs that i could think of um the two yeah. and a half pairings i've gone for very recent um centre-halves um, 
Yeah. The first one being the player of the season from this season just gone, and that is Matt Clark, who was absolutely outstanding. He was the lad Brighton. on loan from... Yeah, and Brighton, I think, yeah. all being well, he should be coming back to Derby on loan again. I think we might have to get Mark Beard on the show and congratulate what he's lot are doing at Brighton because they're bringing out some absolute... Yeah, completely players, agree. And obviously, I know Beardy couldn't be on last week, and obviously I wasn't here last week, but I wanted to talk to no. him about Graham Potter. What, Tony? Um, I just oh, thought okay, he's doing yeah. a really good job at Brighton as well. Yeah. No, he has, to be fair. I, I was a bit dubious about his appointment. I, I, I wasn't... I, I, yeah, I wasn't sure about it. But to be fair, you know, he yeah. comes out with their best ever season in the Premier League. I think it was the best yeah, no, yeah, they've ever I, had. I think I said that on the pod or, or live. Yeah, but yeah, no, he's, did, yeah. he's done a great job. Um, he's really... I thought they could potentially have gone down. But like you say, they ended up finishing really well um, the, ne- the mm. next centre half was uh, our player of the season from the following year and that was Fikayo Tamori no these are the only two that are lone players um, but I... no I know I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I <laughs> but purely you know it's like I always see that thing on Twitter that's like you'll never know heartbreak until you have a lone player that only lasts a year and then goes back to his Parent club. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought, yeah, yeah, I just thought if those two cool. played centre half together, Derby would have something special. Um, my yeah. uh, left back, I couldn't really find the left back, so I had to delve into um, a bit of an article about Derby again in the seventies, and it's a guy called De- I've not really heard of him, but it's okay. a guy called Dave Nish. Dave Nish. No, I'll ask my old man about. Him yeah, he, uh, he was. From what I read, he was a very good left back in the seventies and played played a lot for Derby. Um, my five across the middle are Stefano Arrano. No, no, he was that, again that early thousands well. again. Um, he he came. From, I think okay. he came from. It might have been AC Milan or someone, but he soon became a fast favorite, a fan's favorite at Derby. Um, yeah. My other midfielder is a current Premier League player is Will Hughes. Yeah, yep. he's. I'm still angry at Gary Rowett for selling him to Watford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. What, what a gas. Yeah. Um, so, fuck you, Gary Rowett. Um, <laughs> um, the middle man <laughs> is Dave Mackay. He was, again, 70s legend. And he managed Derby oh, okay. uh, when they won the league in the 70s. And he, he died a couple yeah. of years ago. And he, he's just a Derby legend. So, oh, he goes in there. Um I didn't know him at the time, but I know um, I've had a lot of good things about him, and he was part of that again, part of that seventies team that yeah. really. Uh, well, apparently, according to my granddad, they should have won the uh, the Champions League at the time, but uh, they got done by match yeah. fixing to Juventus, apparently, in the semi final. When uh, oh, wow. Nigel Clough was in charge, and then he obviously went to Forest and won the uh, European Cup there. So. Um, this is the man that I wanted to put that I forgot about at the start, and that is of course Wayne Rooney. Yeah, how could I not put yeah. him? In? Um, he's of course yeah. England legend, uh, Manchester United legend. So yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um, on the other wing, I've got Archie Gemmell. Obviously, he was at Leeds and then yeah. he was at Derby for seven years. Again, part of that infamous seventies team. And then I was stuck yeah. between a striker. I couldn't really pick one. So the two, cho- one of the two choices was Dean Saunders. Uh, and my oh, other okay. one was, yeah. of course, I think I might have to choose him over Dean Saunders. Is Palo one chop? No, yeah, I, I think we'll put Pat. I think we'll put Palo in there. Palo, brilliant. Um, 
who would be your manager? Do you, I think it's only got to be one man, and I think you know who it is. <laughs> yes, Gary Rowan. <laughs> no, it's of course uh, it's the Brian Clough. I think it yeah. can only be him, uh, the one man himself. No, that's very good. That's a very yeah, good thing. Like um, I, I hate doing this, but I love doing it <laughs> at the same time because I, yeah, I I've grown up watching Millwall through the. Uh, my first game I went to was mid nineties when we had Casey Keller in goal. We had Alex Ray at the tip of a diamond. Mick McCarthy was in charge. We had Keith Stevens. You know. The, that Millwall side was a very, very good side for what they were trying to do, which was get back into the top flight because it had only been sort of four or five years since they were in the, the flight, yeah. uh, top flight. Um, then McCarthy went and it all sort of disappeared. But then Keith Stevens and Alan McCleary took over late 90s and bought through what I, I can only describe as Millwall's golden yeah. generation. Likes of Tim Cahill, Neil Harris, Richard Sadlier, um, Mark Bircham, uh, Stephen Reid, Paul Eiffel, Tony Warner. You know, the, the, this side won the, the older Division 2 yeah. title. Um, and, you know, we were 90 minutes away from, or, you know, we were only a few minutes away from getting a, a playoff final in the Championship the following season. Half of that side that was part of that winning title winning side was at Cardiff for the FA Cup three, four years later. They were part of the European adventure. You know, I've grown up watching these players and since then, it's always been a case of trying to sort of compare yeah. them to that team. And it's difficult because obviously there's, there's been so many players since. Um, so this is this is my Millwall 11. I'll try my, I'll try my best really... to try and know who some of these players are. <laughs> that's, that's, but I'm not expecting you to. I'm not expecting you to at all, so it's fine. Um, goalkeeper's actually quite tough because we, you know, Tony Warner was one of my favourite goalkeepers growing up as a kid. I, I remember I was a ball boy for a game against Forest and he pulled off an absolute world, he saved. It was it was reminiscent to Banks yeah. against Pele in the World Cup, that famous one where he tips it over the bar. Very, very similar to that. We've had... David Ford, who has made some of the most amazing saves and also had some of the most amazing blunders in a Millwall shirt, but he was he was surprisingly consistent. We've had Jordan Archer, who I saw make one of the best saves I've ever seen out of a Millwall keeper at a player final. And we've had Bartosz Bielkowski yeah. this season. The guy got a golden glove for the championship in his first season at Millwall. You know, there's there's got to be some talent there. But I, I'm going to go with David yeah. Ford. Um I think he's he's probably the him and Tony Warner would be the the two choices for me. Um, I've gone with a four four two formation because Millwall only know four four two up until this season. Um, my right back is Marlon yep. Romeo. Um, had he not done what he's done over the last few seasons, it would have been Alan Dunn all day long. But Marlon Romeo is just something else. He got released by Arsenal because he was too small. He went to Gillingham. We signed him from Gillingham at 17. And the guy's just been a phenomenon at right back. He really, really has been. He's got such good link-up play with Jed Wallace. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, I love to see it. Um, my two centre-backs, um, Paul Robinson is the yep. first one. The guy's just Millwall. 
he's you know he he won he scored the goal that beat Swindon in the 2009-2010 playoff final to get us promoted. You know he he was so consistent. He came through in 2002, played for sort of 10, 10, 12 years and was phenomenal. And then went to Wimbledon, went to Portsmouth, won some things there. Um, and he's now back as an under 23s coach. So you know the guys guys just a legend. Um, Jake Cooper yep. is the other centre half because I don't think I can think of any more superlatives for Jake Cooper other than the fact that he's played in the last 118 consecutive games in the championship. Yep. <laughs> and that's a phenomenal record. You can't you can't knock that at all. I mean the guy's just an absolute legend at Millwall already. Um left back is Robbie Ryan, one of the slowest left backs I think I've ever seen at the den. But the guy was part of the side that won it in 2000 2001. Um you know, he he was always consistent. He he was all he always worked hard, which again is a sort of typical Millwall fan response. If you've got a hard worker at Millwall, they they love you for it. They always have done. Um, I've had to go with two right wingers to play the wingers this week because I can't think <laughs> of any decent left wingers. Um, the first one is Jed Wallace. Yeah, and. I don't think anyone can disagree with no. how good Jeb Wallace is. Um, the, the guy was one of the few outside the top flights in Europe to get double figures for goals. Was this when Greeny said season. that? Stats, oh yeah. yeah, stats don't matter. <laughs> stats don't mean you deserve to get in a football team. But the the team that I mentioned for our championship eleven, they had the guy with the most clean sheets <laughs> in the league and the guy who'd done that and was in the same list as Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. But it no, apparently matter. stats are irrelevant. Right, <laughs> yeah, stats are irrelevant, Greeny. Um, so yeah, Jeb Wallace. I, yeah, you've you've seen what he can yeah. do at this level. Yeah. He's phenomenal. I, I know. I remember a goal. I think it was last year against your lot. Brilliant. Pissing down with rain at Derby, <laughs> and he's taking it past everybody, and then slotted it home. So you know. Yeah. Thank you. Got, thank you for bringing that up. One of the best exports to come out of Millwall, Tim Cahill. Yep. Um, the guy is just an absolute beast. He's been phenomenal. And what he did at Millwall was amazing. What he then went on to do with not only Everton, but even for Australia, was just out of this world. You know, the guy's just an unbelievable model for how perseverance pays off. You know, the, the guy was... He was 16. He came over to London. His dad paid for him. He came on his own. And he got through to Mills Youth um, youth Team, Youth Academy. And he just went on to be an absolute legend. You know, he's, he's Australia's... I think he's one of Australia's most capped players. He's Australia's mm-hmm. top goal scorer. He's Australia's top goal scorer at World Cups. He scores outstanding goals, yeah. especially that volley at 20... I don't think it was this. Was it 2010? Was it 2014? 2014, yeah, South Africa. He he scored that left-footed volley. I think it was South Africa, yeah. Was that 2010? I don't know. So, no, that was 2010. Brazil, yeah. It was Brazil. Rio, yeah. Yeah. Um, The guy was just an amazing, amazing player. And the fact that, you know, his last season, he could have gone, Forrest were looking at him, Cardiff were looking at him, but he came back to Millwall. He'd always said to him, Millwall was the equivalent of playing yeah. at the new Camp. 
and everyone sort of laughs that off, but this is the sort of affiliation and passion this yeah, guy has for this club. And he will I think always the guy's a legend, regardless of whether you're a Millwall fan yeah. or not. He's, I'm pretty sure a lot, a lot of people with, with my era, obviously I know I'm a little bit younger than you, but I think a lot of people in my era would obviously... Well, you would have seen him play yeah, Everton. Yeah, one And the thing yeah, that he did... I knew he was obviously phenomenal. a Millwall as well, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of people yeah. would... Well, I think when as soon as you said Tim Cahill, it brought a smile to my face. So I think that just kind of stepped yeah. it up. Well, there, there was there, there was always going to be he was always going to be there. I mean, especially when um, uh, we played West Ham the season we got to the cup final, we played him at the Den, and he scored an absolutely outstanding goal from a corner. We beat him four one that day, and West Ham fans <laughs> hate us for it, but he scored an absolute world of a goal in that game, and it was a brilliant day and. He, he, he was already a legend then, but he was just epitomised into God <laughs> for that. Um, the next one is is a guy called Jimmy Abdu or Najim Abdu. Um, you may have seen him in the championship when Millwall were there. Yeah, a few years back, I think so. The guy, the guy is to me a poor man's N'Golo Conte. <laughs> he really is. The guy would just work. Every single day, he'd break up the play. He was, you know, he was recognised by Millwall fans as scoring one of the best goals in the playoff, which was up at Ellen Road against Leeds. Um, the year we, I think we lost to Scunthorpe in the final that year. Yeah, because we played Huddersfield the season before or the season after. Um, you know, so he was the, the guy's just a machine, and he's he's such a top bloke. He's always sort of cared about professionalism and coming across the right way. And he's, you know, he's come from a, a background of having to work hard to just get through the day. So, you know, he was always going to be a, a well-liked figure at Millwall. Um, Paul Ithel, or Ithel, is the other winger. Um, he was another one, along with, with Tim Cahill, Robbie Ryan, that came through as part of that, that golden generation. You know, the guy was... The, the guy was just a lunatic when he ran with the ball he, he could take it past people but then unfortunately it's hard to just run into a corner <laughs> but then he'd pull off an amazing cross or an amazing shot and it, all of it be forgiven but again it was work rate he was always willing to work hard um, and yeah he was one of the best players I've seen um, the, the front two for me have been the easiest choice I could have gone with Harry Kane, but <laughs> he was he was there for half a season. Yeah. Um, uh, Neil Harris. There was there was never any doubt that Neil Harris was not going to be in my Millwall eleven. I, I this this I've idolised this man since I was a kid. Um, I talk about it constantly on this <laughs> podcast. I know I do, but the guy to me is an absolute hero. Just the fact that you know he came back from cancer and still became Millwall's yeah. all-time record goal scorer. The the goal he scored against Watford for his first game back was just amazing. I was there live. I saw it. You know, I've seen him score goals that are just out of this world, and he's always going to be in my Millwall eleven, regardless of, of who else is there. Um, and Steve Morrison is the other one. Um, the guy's fourth. High scorer on the list for Millwall all-time goal scorers. He scored the best goal I've ever seen live at a player final. I, I know I said Gary Alexander's goal, but the fact that I was actually at a player final to watch yeah. Millwall win, 
I, I still love talking about that day. I still remember going through the sheer panic and terror of sitting. <laughs> I've been there myself, man. It's it's just a phenomenal feeling to have, and and the guy, he was a miserable <laughs> sod. He really is a miserable sod, but he worked he worked hard yeah. and he loved Millwall. He may have hated the fans a lot, but he loved Millwall. Um, and managers, I'd I thought you were going to say Gary Rout for a minute. No, I won't, no. The the managers I would have probably picked were either Dennis Wise. Um, Kenny yeah. Jacket or Neil Harris. You know, I think Kenny Jacket brought some great success to the club, got us promoted to the, the championship a couple of times. Neil Harris, or Dennis Wise rather, you know, got us to the FA Cup final. You know, all right, that was part of McGee's team that he'd done, but he got us there. Neil Harris for me, the guy took us to the brink of the, the championship playoffs in our first season. Back in the in the championship, we went on a seventeen match on beating run. We've been to an FA Cup quarter final against Spurs. We've been to an FA Cup uh, round of sixteen and, and lost to Brighton. The guy knew what the FA Cup meant to Millwall as history wise, and we always did well with Harris. Um, so yeah, there was man in charge for me. So after that emotional, pointless toss chat from me, that's, that's <laughs> my Millwall eleven. Um, the question is, we, the question is, I'm going to go through. Who do you yeah. think would win out of my eleven against your eleven? Yeah. Uh, well, half of them are too. Yeah, true. Now, so <laughs> I'll go with my lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably in their heyday. I think if you picked them all in their heyday, yeah, I think it's be a probably good game. Um. I, I, <laughs> I'd always back my middle side. <laughs> I, I, I always would. Um, so yeah, so that, that's that's for that. Um, so yeah, so we've had some responses, which is brilliant. I love the fact that people have responded, and even if they don't listen to the pod, thank you very much for your emails. So that's Tony, Ben, Matthew, and Sam. Thanks very much for your emails. This is brilliant. I'm going to go with with who sent me them first. So Sam sent me his. He's a Chelsea fan. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have selected it first, really. Um, what was you make of this? So we've got Petr Cech in goal. Yeah, he's gone for a four-three-three. As has Sam Petr Cech in goal, then a back four of Aspilicueta, Ricardo Carvalho, John Terry, and Ashley Cole. He's gone for a midfield three of Claude Makélélé, Roberto Di Matteo, and Frank Lampard. And up front, he's got Zola, <laughs> Drogba, and Hazard. I'm not gonna lie. That's a pretty, yeah. pretty good team. I, I, I would, I would be very surprised if a Chelsea side in their prime yeah, with those. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, um, yeah, no, I there's not. Quality. I don't think, if any, I disagree with any of them really. It, it's uh, no, yeah, it's a I very strong team. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good side, especially with, yeah, especially the front three, and, and then the back four, and then the midfield. <laughs> That is, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I think, Sam, you're in um, a good position to win this. Um, we've got Matthew. He's a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> no, in, in all honesty, um, this is, to be yes. fair, all of these sides are really, really good. Um, 
He's gone with a four three three, but he's gone yep. with a wide four three three. So, in goal, he's got Pepe Reina, a back four of Trent Alexander Arnold, Sammy Hoopier, um, Virgil van Dijk, and Andy Robertson. He's got Stephen Gerrard in the in the middle with, uh, I presume that Javi Alonso and Philippe Coutinho on either side of him with a front three of Salah, <laughs> Suarez and Mane. Strong again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I'm surprised. I'm, uh, the only one I'm surprised about, he's not got Carragher in there. But then if he hasn't got Carragher in there, <laughs> there's no own goal. So yeah, maybe maybe right he's sort of hippier for Carragher, I don't know. But, yeah, but that, to be I mean, fair, I think I mean, for some people, like, I don't know about you, but when it comes to it, it's obviously each club's got legends and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just personal. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah, of course. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I the thing is about this. Yeah. Your, your team will change as the as the years go on because you'll think, oh yeah, this player, and then you'll forget one. And yeah. Then you'll remember exactly. him next time. You're like, oh, but where do I put him? So yeah, my Millwall. Yeah, thought, well, I, I thought there's uh, an abundance of players I could pick, and there's, there's probably if I asked the same question yeah. to my dad or my granddad, they'd probably have a different squad to me. Do you know what I mean? It's obviously, different eras as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's exactly the same. He'd have players like Alfred. Um, uh, maybe <laughs> he's the only one that I can think of. Derek Posse as well. Um, yeah. Brian, is it Brian King? I think the goalkeeper. There's there's a lot of players that my dad would have different in his side. And that's what I like about this. It's because yeah. it brings up a nostalgic feeling of football. You're not worried about who everyone's supporting. You're going, yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, I remember him. He was a Crowley player. And you just, it's just bringing back good times of football. And that's why I like discussing it. It is really, really good. Um, we've got Ben. Ben has sent this in. Um, his, his email is brilliant. He says, hi, guys. God has wanted me to say my favourite all-time Newcastle eleven, and what he's done, he's given us bloody everything. It's brilliant. Um, he said he did say at the end of it, none of the current squad good enough or been there long enough yet for me. That's fair enough. Um, so he's gone with a four-four-two. He's also got some honourable mentions and an honourable mentioned manager, which he's like a Newcastle fan. He's, he's obviously thought one. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he the is crazy a Newcastle, Newcastle fan. fan as well, man. Um, season, season ticket holder. Mate, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, and he well, lives, yeah, and he lives a, a considerable yeah. amount away from yeah. Newcastle. So fair play to him. Yeah, he's, he's probably one of those that takes his shirt off when. He yeah, well, that was that bloke he revealed himself, wasn't there as well? As well. That <laughs> that Newcastle fan. I shot. <laughs> Oh, what were his yeah, I shouldn't mention too much detail, but I think people know what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ben's side. We've got Shay Given in goal, a back four of Ryan Taylor, Stephen Taylor, Colo, yep. which I presume is Colacini, yep. and Enrique. Um, I can't think which Enrique that is. I know it's not Luis Enrique Iglesias. No, um... <laughs> No, I think it's Jose. No, I didn't say that. You did. Liv- oh, was yeah, he the one that went to uh, yeah, Liverpool yeah. afterwards? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. Um, we've got Solano, Kabai, Ben Arthur and Robert. Yeah, that's solid. 
that's not a bad midfield. That that's not a bad midfield at all. And then he's also got Shearer and Bellamy. Which, yeah, I can't. If his Newcastle eleven didn't have Shearer yeah. in, is he even a Newcastle fan? Um, his manager is Sir Bobby, which, yeah, I can't Agreed. disagree with that in any way, shape, or form. The, the guys, I, I wasn't even a Newcastle fan, but I just love Sir Bobby. Robert. Yeah, he's, he's a legend he's of the game. Man. Um, his honourable mentions are Shola Ramiobi, <laughs> the Mackham Slayer, as he's put in brackets, Czech Tiote, Kevin yeah. Nolan, I presume that's Kevin Nolan, Gary Speed and Joey Barton. And he's many honourable mentions. I'm surprised he's not put an honourable mention in for um, Gutierrez. Because of the cancer thing. Yeah. And then obviously yeah, him scoring to keep them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I like that. Yeah, funny. Side. That's a really good side. I'm surprised Who? Ferdinand didn't get in there, really. Yeah. Let's I think it's, I suppose Bellamy's... Again, it's precious, it is, yeah. It's Did you know that um, Shay Givens, the goalkeeping coach at Derby? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he went there. I think he went there for a while after he left. He might have done. Yeah, I think he's. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he went there before before he retired. I, I, I know he was. I mean, I'm yeah. Sure he was there. Um, I've saved the best till last. <laughs> really, um, Tony is a Millwall fan. Yeah. I love this. I think that's brilliant. Um. It's, it's quite interesting how he's gone. So, goalkeeper is Tony Warner, which was the other one I was umming and ahhing about. He's then got a back four of Alan Dunn, Paul Robinson, Darren Ward and Murray Wallace. Alan Dunn, yeah. I mean, the guy was a phenomenal servant to the club. Darren Ward, <laughs> uh, we called him the Peckham Beckham. And he had, we got him from Watford for about half a million. And he was one of the best centre-backs we'd, I'd seen for a while there. Made a really good partnership with Matt Lawrence at the back. Um, Murray Wallace, the if you looked at him, you would never have expected him to play well as a, as a left back or a left wing back. Yet the guy has been an absolute legend for us in that position. He's amazing, mate. But he's six foot five Scottish bloke. We signed from Scunthorpe, <laughs> and he's turning himself into a left back. Brilliant. It's just it's just lunacy. Um, he's midfield for oh sorry he's gone for a four four two as well again Millwall you know you see there's a form there pattern with Millwall fans. Um, Jed Wallace, Tim Cahill, Ben Thompson and Paul Eiffel. Yeah, I can't. I love Ben Thompson. I think Ben Thompson is one of the most amazing players I've seen. He's just an absolute workhorse. But yeah, it was either him or Jimmy Abdu, and I went with Jimmy Abdu. Um, and then Steve Morrison and Neil Harris up front. Fairly similar, yeah. At all. It is fairly similar. Um, Yeah, just Romeo, Cooper, Ryan and Abdu are the only four. uh, Sorry, I'm four. Did he put a gaffer in or not? Different from that. No, he didn't put a gaffer in. I didn't really say to people Um, to put a gaffer in or not. I just said... No, no, that's fine. No, I'm amazed the fact that... Yeah, no, I I appreciate them doing that. Um, Yeah, no, thank you, everyone. Uh, for emailing again. Again, those thanks are to Tony, Ben, Matthew, and Sam. Um, that's it. <laughs> we that's have. it, mate. We've done. We've done for the day. Um, it's uh, we've managed to get probably about an hour out. Yeah, maybe an hour and twenty minutes out of this. 
if Green had been here, he wouldn't have shut up about Leicester winning the title and that's and he put, best eleven. Yeah. And sod everything else. And then, he, else and then, he, and then cheating in the quiz, probably. And then cheating in the quiz, he would have turned around and said that Sevilla deserved it <laughs> and Lukaku's shite and he shouldn't be mentioned. And Italy's too easy a league. And then he would have mentioned that Celtic and Rangers <laughs> should be winning the Premier League and all this sort of tosh. And I've missed it. No. No, I haven't. I haven't. Proper, fo- proper football chat for one week only. It's brilliant. It's, it's yeah. proper football tosh. Uh, I like it. Um, so, yeah, so that is... That is um, after extra time for this week. Um, thank you to all those that have listened. Apologies if this has not been as, <laughs> as good or polished as some of the others, but we, we do try. Um, yes, just thank you to all of you that have emailed in. Thank you to those that do listen. Um, thank you to those that join in on our Facebook classes on Fridays. Um, and thank you to Jack for taking the time out to get yeah, our points question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the point which goes no mate it's fine honestly I to be fair I didn't really have a lot else to do <laughs> oh, without okay. football there's not too much to do is there yeah I, I, I was sort of sitting there thinking of I know, topics to probably, discuss if it's me or Greeny next week we're going to probably be in the same boat next week <laughs> I even I, this is how bad it's been because I've been used to watching Premier League and EF, EFL football for the last two months I was watching Aussie uh, <laughs> Hyundai A League football this morning, and I watched J One League football yesterday. Yeah, I've and not it, got yeah, to that yet. It's not but maybe maybe um, next week. No, that's, that's desperate. At <laughs> least we got the Champions League tonight. Anyway, yeah, yeah, got yeah. Go yeah, on, Brian. Go on, Brian. Um, yes. So again. Thank you very much to all of you listening. I've been your host, Jacko. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.